This is a podcast from Minute Media. Oh. <laughs> it would be a wolf spot, eh? Good afternoon, good evening, Wolves fans, and welcome to your latest episode of the Wolves Fancast with me, Gully, your host. I've got Matt and Stu with me, and we're going to be delving through the dirge that was the 0 0 victory against Norwich City at the weekend. Um, before we kind of get into the, the football, um, I did just want to want to talk through obviously, um, the news came on Saturday morning that due to Storm Arwen. Was that? I'm assuming that's some sort of nod to Lord of the Rings, isn't it? Um, that uh, some some of the trips down to Norwich were were disrupted due to coach cancellations. A large large cross section of our support had to make alternative arrangements, and I'm going to revert to our away day correspondent uh, Stuart Hall, who was you one just, of those that was affected. You just wait. You just beg in for this, are you? Well, no, to be honest, I'm just curious as to how your morning went. To be honest, more than anything, it's a, it's a notoriously difficult trip, anyway, isn't it? It's a pain in the arse. That's what it is. Um, well, I'd set my love for ten to six, as you do. So I thought, well, get all my stuff ready and get it done in plenty of time. Your Santa hat. Yeah, including, obviously, Christmas time is here. November, and, um, just saying. <laughs> once the once the Coca Cola adverts on. It's Christmas. We've been through this several times. <laughs> so I was, <laughs> so I went, we're in the corner to my mom's because she, she always goes with me. No Blake this week because he was busy. Um, so drive up to my, drive up to the Emerald Club Park on there, walk to the uh, coach park. First of all, I opened the door and I thought, oh no, because I hadn't looked out the window or anything like that. But why would I? It's pitch black anyway. So, Opened the door, thought, oh no, went back in, had to change my shoes to sensible shoes for a change, rather than my uh, bright gold ones. I thought, well, this will this will get me through. Got in the car to get up there, and it was it was a, a miracle that we didn't slide off the road and hit a bus or a tree or something. It was that treacherous. And this was like 7 o'clock in the morning, quarter to 7. So got up there. And then it started really coming down, blizzard, blizzard-like conditions. So we were standing around on the couch park, behind Quick Fit for people who know these things. And since they took, there used to be a shelter there, and they took it away because the homeless were sleeping under it, which is nice of them. Yeah. So, so now the uh, Falkland Street couch park isn't. There's no shelter whatsoever. So wow. we're standing, standing outside in a blizzard for an hour, waiting for. Uh, Waiting for our coach, but because it had got it had gone to Hensford to pick someone on someone up on the way to us, and it had got stuck in three foot of snow, which they had over there. So it, then they based on one individual being in Hensford. It's kind of where the where P and D York is, they kind of go there anyway. It's like they always pick them up because it's near. So it's not it's not a problem um normally. Well, until now. Mm. Yeah. It's the sole person but, that you know ruins your whole weekend show, but yeah, so then one coach is already there. And we were told you there was 11 blokes down in Norwich that ruined our weekend. We'll get into <laughs> yeah. that. 
So we, we were told that the, our coach would be turning up in 10 minutes. 10 minutes came, no sign. So then we were trying to get hold of the driver. Obviously, he wouldn't answer his phone. There was one person on there who's in his 80s. He doesn't answer his phone to numbers he doesn't know. So that was helpful. So then by the time we got through to the depot, who'd rang through the special intercom service or whatever, they'd made a decision as a company that they were going to cancel it all because it was too dangerous. So that was us, Telford, Canuck. Kings Winford somehow managed to get through and so did the travel club, shock. Um, but that was all three of us was just grounded then. So after that, it was like, well, so this was just go home and get warm. Because at this point, we've been studying in a blizzard for an hour. I'd already fell down a hill. I was already wet and wet and cold. Oh, you missed that bit? Yeah, well, I was saving the best till tonight, were I? <laughs> um, so yeah, I slipped down a hill, <laughs> rolled over like a, like a snowman, soaked through my skinny jeans. And I thought, well, I'll dry off when we get back. So got back uh, and I couldn't, I literally couldn't get out of the car. So I just said, well, I'll come and have a cup of tea, warm my hands up and then I'll go and get some cans because I couldn't have even carried them. I was that cold. Mm. In that time, my mum's boss then rang her saying that he's going to drive there and we can jump in the car with him if we want to go. And I thought, well, I can either drink at home or I've got a ticket that I'm not going to get money back for. I've already paid for it. I might as well. So got in the car and we got there, got to, and this was about 10-ish, got to Norwich at half two. Car parks were all full. So then we got sent down this dirt track by a park, which is a 25-minute walk away from the ground, got in the ground and just saw kickoff. So no beer pre-game for the first time in about six or seven years. No pies. No in the back of the car cans or anything? Um, because it was like on on the cuff kind of thing. I had my, my sweet chilli chicken cobs that was prepared for the coast journey. That was it. <laughs> In a common sense that world, looks, I love that. <laughs> that. That's what that's what was prepared for. So I had them to survive the day, and then and it's only like bare grills. I mean, let's be fair, but <laughs> it, it might as well have been. And then by the time half time is always a chaos there anyway. There was no chance of getting anything whatsoever. So I thought, well, at least the game can't be as bad as this day. And then kickoff happened. So you had a sober day out. No yeah, idea. completely sober all day. Oh my god! I, I didn't even, even drink on the worse. I didn't even drink on the Friday night either because I knew I was getting up at six, and I thought the worst thing possible could be being in a bit of a mess for a three and a half, four hour journey. So yeah, so it was um, watching that in a completely sober state of mind was an experience. I don't want to see it ever again. I was going to say that makes me feel even worse for you, to be honest. Now that you've, you've explained <laughs> that to me, but um, we'll, we'll get on to the game then, I guess. Um, I mean, but thank you for regaling us with your your epic story. To be fair, Stu, that was uh, that was very interesting. Um, but moving on to the football, uh, obviously, we uh, we're off the back of a very a very impressive one 0 victory against West Ham, and uh, I think everybody would have suggested that an unchanged lineup was the order of the day, but. Um, Plans were obviously thrown into the air by Daniel Pedence's uh, positive COVID test. Um, Matt, how, how, what did you feel when when you noticed that his name was totally absent from the line? Well, uh, before before I didn't know it was COVID until I'd read read more into it. I just saw the lineup first and foremost, and I thought, isn't this isn't this typical Wolves? Not necessarily typical Bruno or or, or anyone prior to that, but isn't this? He just seemed very very typical that someone might find a bit of form who's who's played well and then aren't playing but obviously 
that wasn't the case. There were, there were other reasons and other sad things that were in place that meant he couldn't play. It was a shame because obviously he played, he was instrumental for us um, previously. And, you know, a fit and fire in Daniel Pudence is always tricky for an opposition. And you think with Norwich, it's going to be a case that, te- you know, we're, we're by far head and shoulders be more technically adapt than them. Any player like that would be, you know, another weapon in the Arsenal. Yeah, I, I mean, I felt a bit sorry for him just because I think Pedence throughout his Wolves career hasn't really been able to build up a run of games to build up a run of form. And, and you know, he sparkled in on occasion, but then something cool, you know, whether it be his own performance on the other case, he always seems to be the go-to yeah. man who, if we aren't playing well, gets dropped or he, he's had a few injuries, obviously, as well. And... Um, Stu, I mean, when you saw Francisco Trincao in the lineup as a result of that, what were your feelings at that point then? <laughs> He's going to be shit. <laughs> that's, the, that's what most, I thought of all the places to try him. I mean, I, I've probably championed him more than most people on here this season because of seeing him for a few games for Barca. But he's putting him in a, in a, a place like Norwich where we all, even though when I looked at our form there over the last, 10 or so years, it's not actually as bad as you think. It's one of them places, it's it's horrible to, place to get to. No one wants to go there. And then with the conditions as well, I thought, oh, well, this is perfectly set up for Trincao to sparkle. But of course it's not. And it was inevitable that he wasn't going to be up for it. But again, the um, the alternative was Troyero, which we'll get onto later. But yeah, I think just the bench just summed every, sums everything up at the minute. When you're looking at that graphic there for sorry for the audio people, how it's laid out, poor Kundal poor doesn't even get on the list. <laughs> I mean, he might <laughs> as well not really be there. Let's be yeah. fair, uh, the likelihood of him getting on is, is pretty slim anyway, isn't it? Um, but I, I mean, are you suggesting that Trincao can't do it on a, a chilly Saturday afternoon in Norwich? Is that is that what your thoughts are I, at this point? I think Trincao can't do it in a chilly afternoon anywhere in England at the minute, to be fair. It's bizarre, isn't it? I remember being in Scotland and I, I was on my way up to um, Inverness and I pulled over and I was in a lab checking on my phone because I was driving for like five, six hours and I saw that we'd signed him on loan and I was like over the moon. I was like, God, this yeah. is the start. Start your engines. It's about to get hot. And it really hasn't. What's going on? He just, well, he, he, just he hasn't adapted as he yet. I mean, it's look how long it took Neto. And I said I had this point on Twitter earlier that he took Neto a while, but he was ours, so we knew that he had time. Trincao's not going to have a summer to build himself up and beef up like like Neto did. He'll be gone back, and no one's in their right mind's going to pay twenty million plus for him this season. At the end of the yeah. season, no way. I think I think the difference between the two of them with Neto, you always felt that there was that intensity to his game, and you know he had a bit of a aggression and a you know an edge to him whereas Trincao pretty much just seems to float around as if he's the only player on the pitch and the only guy ready to receive the ball and he's never going to be under any pressure but I mean, if we if we get into the first half and I, I think watching the game from home anyway it felt that for the first 30 minutes we dominated possession we looked like the more Likely team to to produce something out of uh, out of whatever, you know. It wasn't necessarily that we 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 were really cutting them open, but um, 
Matt, I don't know if you felt, I mean, this is what I felt anyway, um, that the conditions are playing a big part in us being quite sloppy with, our, with possession in the final third. I think so. I think so. But, I mean, going into the game, I thought, you know, this is the, this is going to be the Huddersfield of a couple of seasons ago. And it's going to, you know, has there been a more um, written in the stars result than this, to be honest? So I always thought it was going to be a tricky game. But, you know, the conditions, yeah, they weren't fantastic, but they're not, they're not fantastic for the opposition either. And I didn't think that it was as much of a factor as it, as it could have been. I think for us, there was very much, as there was against West Ham, a bit of just a bedding in period for the first five, 10 minutes, figuring out what was going on, um, which is fine. As long as you don't concede in that 10 minutes, then it's not really an issue. But it never really got going after that. And, and it's bizarre because when we finally found a bit of impetus and you know we put pressure on the keeper or we put pressure on their right back, we put pressure on a defender. We we got some joy, but we never really pushed on with that in the first half. Even though we got a, you know, it was the only time when we actually really had any kind of clear cut, you know, offensive play. Mm. Yeah, I, I I think you're right. And, and obviously, going into the game, we, we felt there was a degree of confidence. Well, uh, you might not have necessarily felt it, but by the sounds of it, but some of us felt there was a degree of confidence about getting a result there. Stu, how, how did you feel going into the game about us? playing against Norwich, given that, yes, they are in the relegation zone, they've, they've, they've won a couple of games, but they've not exactly um, started the season too well. Well, I'll put a five on Norwich beating us three weeks ago, just because of this is the kind of thing that happens. And their two wins in, in, in the meantime kind of took a bit of a sting out of that, because I thought, oh, well, at least that bogey's off, off us now. But I was just not, because of how we've been this season, it's just, we're so inconsistent all the time and you go for one great performance to then when you look at the, the performances for 80 minutes against Villa the whole game against Palace Southampton in patches wasn't brilliant and then Leeds second half so he's saying like we, we haven't got a form for not turning up away from home it, it just seems to be a bit of a pattern but do you think so it, do you I, think I, it's I, that I simple wasn't... though that, that we're kind of struggling away from home as opposed to being back at home yeah no I think it's it, it's like what, when Brentford destroyed us, I think it, the whole pressing thing just does us in. And Dean Smith played yesterday exactly like he did for Villa against us. It was almost carbon copy, just with slightly shitter players. <laughs> but I think, like we said about the, the conditions, there was a lot of overhit balls that were just sliding out of play. And there was that was for all both teams. So I don't, I don't think that did help things a lot. But they were just organised and they knew that what, what they were doing. And they... Apart from the uh, the cock up where Matinho kind of slowly footed it to the keeper, which he should have just blasted it in, um, there was never really any danger from anyone in our yeah. from our point of view. And as soon as we saw Trincao, I thought, oh well, there, there we go then. You you almost want, you think... wanted Neves coming onto that that's that the edge of the box, didn't you? Rather than Matinho, but um... oh, Neves, Neves from four years ago, yeah. Yeah, true, true. He's due one. We'll keep saying it. He's due one. Um, right. I don't know how it came across on telly that, but the whole the right hand side because it was right underneath us where we were in the away end. It's Trincao. There was absolutely like zero chemistry between Trincao and Samada. They just got in each other's way all the time. Like when he, he was one was coming inside and the other was going outside, it just didn't happen. They were just in the same space. There was one point where I was screaming at the telly because Samedo made a run inside, whereas if he'd held his wits, Trincao could have played him in. 
but he came inside and basically cramped the space and I was just I was fuming but other than that it just looked like Samedo would play the ball in Trincao's feet and he'd give it back to Samedo and then we go back into the central midfield and there was never any real penetration whatsoever down that flank no. I think Bruno said in his post-match interview that they closed the game out in the middle of the pitch and we had to go outside where we we didn't really try to threaten down the flanks enough I think I knew he got into some good positions and maybe didn't produce but Matt where do you go from there in, in terms of trying to get more of our win backs it's tough because it's tough because you know what we rely on like you mentioned in terms and I'm going to contradict myself here in terms of um the state of the pitch you rely on being able to whip balls here and there and everywhere in that kind of you know play you you, you know you want to you want to hit balls on for our faster wing backs to run onto, but if you've got a if you've got a pitch that's completely sogged and is completely clogging the ball, you can't necessarily do that safely. Then the last thing you want then is 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 a fullback halfway up the pitch with a, not being able to run onto a ball, and in being completely out of position. So you're damned if you do, damned if you don't with this. Really, I think you, you, you it kind of forces you to play a little safer, I guess. But it, it, I don't. It felt like more of a mentality thing than anything in terms of not wanting. It wasn't the same. It wasn't the same intensity from minute one than it was against West Ham, and mm. I can't help think that that is by design. Um, you know, and in, a game, a game away from home that you don't want to lose. It very much felt that way, as opposed to there's nothing to lose because we're going to get pumped by West Ham. Well, you know what I mean? Along those lines, then, um, talking about it being by design. I mean, there's always. A ploy, perhaps, from away teams where you want to try and quieten the crowd, you know, take the sting out of a game. It's quite a well-worn line that, that many teams will, will try to do. And we did, we had a lot of safe possession, I think, without really trying to attack Norwich. Stu, I mean, did it feel like the Norwich crowd was there to be quietened or it, it didn't necessarily feel like there was that much of an atmosphere to begin with? Either, did well, they they uh, they had a little scrummage as early, as they usually do. What a fucking stupid song that is! I mean, come on. I, mean, I, don't, it, I don't know what you're referring to. To be honest, I'm, I'm not denying that, right, that on the ball city. It's the oldest oldest football song in the world. Is it? Yeah, go and look it. I'm not singing. It's silly. It sounds um, terrible. Yeah, it's awful. It's but they're singing it about four or five times a game, and then that's kind of it. And there, there was doing some some other noise, but they don't. They're not that kind of club, are they? They never have been. That's always very. Although then the uh, the usual we only hate wolves and Ipswich song never came out this time, which was nice, but um, yeah, they're, they're just they're just Norwich, they're just there, and then they're, they're never going to be a passionate crowd. They never have been, so there was no one to coin. I mean, I know there's been a lot of social media stick about the wolves crowd and the the away fans not being up for it, but no one was up for it. There was nothing to cheer. It was wank from start to finish. Everyone, the rain was blowing into us as well, which didn't help either whatsoever. And you got probably your most boisterous people, some of your most boisterous people stranded back at home anyway. I mean, there, there was some who went mental and got the train at the cost of 100 quid each return. So you had to go down to Houston and then Houston to Norwich because of where it is. So it was just one of them days where it was just terrible and there was nothing. It was one where the, the performance on the pitch needed to raise the fan spirits first and that was never going to happen. Yeah, I, so, think, I think we were talking earlier in the week, weren't we, about um, Man City versus PSG and the technical level of the game, regardless mm. of how entertaining it is, the technical level of the play being of such a high standard that 
it, it's just ridiculous to watch to a certain extent. This wasn't quite, <laughs> <laughs> was it, Matt? I, I mean, it felt like there were a lot of, to use a tennis term, unforced errors. There was, or there were. Um, it, it definitely felt that way. And Stu, I do sympathise with you massively on this. And this is where I think that the, you know, what we've got to remember is this is just today's annoyance in the Wolves Twitter fan base. And it'll be something completely ridiculous, uh, as ludicrous tomorrow. So it's not as big a deal as I think people think it probably is. But I do sympathise because, you know, you've, you've, you've took a trip of four hours to get there. And then you, you're treated to that and the weather and everything else. Really, can anybody really honestly say that they'd want to go absolutely mental and try and make an, an incredible atmosphere? I, don't, I can't say anybody can really be blamed. And then when you see that, what's on the pitch? And the thing is, it, and I'll tell you why it's it's equally as understandable. is because it's it was so inevitable. It's just, yeah. it was just, it, it was Leeds second half all over again. And it was just... It was just so predictably average. And it, I think we knew this prior to the game. It was going to be this way. I know you said, um, Gully, that you know you, had, you went into it with an air of optimism. Call me a pessimist, but I didn't. I knew this was going to be shit from minute one. Um, <laughs> and it, it's just one of those. It's I find the result a massive positive because I was so convinced we were going to lose. <laughs> And to be fair, yeah. you know, if we go on into the second half and, and, and think about the chances that Norwich had, we had one man to thank really for, for keeping keeping them at bay. And that's Jose Sarr. And, mm-hmm. you know, we're going to hand over to our goalkeeping correspondent, I suppose, as well, in, in Stu, and, and let him wax lyrical. I've never been so right in my life about that bloke. <laughs> He's just great. He's how quickly he adapted because he was a bit shaky to start with in the first two or three games. Mm. Gonna, he did take a bit of getting used to the physicality of the league and everything, but he's just he's a presence where Rue never was, and that's that was not his style. So not not knocking him for it, but we haven't had a goalkeeper like this maybe even since Matt Murray. You know, the way he just comes out all the time, regardless, and he spreads himself all the time and. Distribution-wise, he didn't really have much to do. <laughs> he had no options anywhere, so he couldn't mm. do any any long balls over the top. And he yeah, tried one, and he kind of cocked it. He cocked it up a little bit, yeah. but again, that was a lot to do with the weather as well as anything else. But it was actually from a goalkeeping point of view this week where he, he excelled and he did everything asked of him again with a but minimal fuss. What he said though is, I mean, he weren't necessarily making worldy saves all the time, but again, he was with there. reference to conditions, you know. I can't recall the amount of Sunday League team talks where it's been shit weather and the manager has said, you know, test the keeper, he might spill yeah. something, he might, you know, skid under him or whatever. So, in essence, I mean, the point being, maybe we should have tested their goalkeeper a little bit more with <laughs> speculative shots and what whatnot. But Jose Sarr did what he had to do, ultimately. Yeah, I can I can imagine, well. Gulli, you, you've plenty of times, you've dug an elbow into the keeper on as a centre-back in that position. You know what I mean? It's, it's a, you wanted to you wanted to miss the ball when he's jumped up and catches it. A little elbow's gone in there. Don't tell me you haven't, Gully. I don't. No, I pride it. myself on trying to be quite a clean footballer. To be mm, honest, right, um, right. maybe you might as I as I get a bit older, I might become a little bit more grizzled and uh, and, and turn towards a dark grizzled arts. young veteran. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> but you know, what? one when you say about testing the goalkeeper, it is. I mean that that stat that came out that 
it was the worst, well, it was the lowest amount of shots a Norwich team has faced in the Premier League this century in mm. 21 years, over 200 games. To only have five shots on goal against a team in the relegation zone is awful. It's truly, truly pathetic, to be honest. And I, it almost feels like Dean Smith's got Bruno's number a little bit. Um, yeah. Given the two games that we've played against them this season. I, that's important. But I think we need to come out of this thinking now that this is the Norwich that would doomed to get a derby level amount of points <laughs> they're not that team anymore now we need to we need to get past that they've got a an experience just because it was a I, villa manager i mean matt i hear you but mm. essentially if you go back to the southampton fixture where they where mm. they won i mean alex mccarthy's hands basically disappear on both of those goals <laughs> Like, right, listen, you know, divine, they're, they're, divine intervention is a powerful clearly, thing, and that I mean, they had a storm <laughs> on their side this time, so um, mm. clearly, we're, we're not our Portuguese uh, wonder kids aren't capable of uh, dealing with those kind of conditions, so we, they shouldn't be expected to. So, um, you know, we'll just leave it at that for in terms of the the, 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 the meekness of the performance. But obviously, at some point, uh, Bruno tried to change things, and Adama Traore, um, the ever lasting dilemma of a footballer that he is um i mean i'm going to give my personal opinion on this matter before i let you guys kind of you know, have at it he played three positions within half an hour um he was shifted from pillar to post and frankly when we did manage to you know get the ball we didn't use him nearly enough either um what 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 situation are we kind of in at the moment, Matt? I'm going to go to you because I know Stu mm. has, 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 has shared his opinions on what kind of camp are you in with Traore at the moment. Um, I'm in the I'm in the camp now that we're into collateral damage territory. Now we just need to retain as much of his value as physically possible and move him on over in January or the summer. Now that's we're not, not going to do that by moving him around the pitch. No, we're not. We're not, and and that, and that's either tactical naivety or that's that's Bruno making a statement saying. On my own man, I don't I don't need to resort to Adama Traore to see a result out or do whatever I need to do. I think the problem I think the problem is here, and you know, bar a world class manager like a Klopp or like a Tuchel or anybody like that, no one's got a consistent tune out of Adama Traore at, at this point now, a really consistent. And I go back to the same thing I say all the time: if he was as good as we thought he was, he he wouldn't play for us in the first place he'd, he'd already have moved on the the difficulty is now you know bruno's in a position where we 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 as mere fan cast and uh, as mere fans of the club we don't know the inside and, and and inside and outside in terms of i mean matt i'm gonna have to stop you there because we are the purveyors of official club news um when it's given to us we can then <laughs> direct it outwards but we don't know what's on the balance sheet and what's going to be given to Bruno in January, in July, whenever. And I think we're just at a point where we just got to sell an asset that isn't working for us. I think it's, it's as simple as that. If we have ambitions of bringing in, you know, one step before their world-class players is, is the kind of level we want to attract, we're going to need capital. And you might, if it's not working for us now, as it hasn't worked for numerous clubs before, cash in while it's hot. You know, you were in a position. We're we're in a we're in an Aldi version of Harry Kane at the moment, in which his <laughs> his 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 stock was plummeting for a short while, 
and Spurs would have wished they'd have sold him to Man City earlier. And we're going to be in that position with Traore if we're not careful. Well, Stu, I mean, we obviously heard you singing his name as a, as he was preparing to come onto the pitch during the second half, or pleading with Bruno to to, to bring him on when uh, whenever Trincao lost the ball. <laughs> it, was, it was literally honestly, it, it, was, it was amazing yeah, how it was... it was that whenever Trincao did something negative, the the, the away end just 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 piped up. Um, but what was your take on his impact or lack of yesterday? Utterly pathetic, to be honest. <laughs> There's a reason, and I, and I, I don't know if this came across on telly as much because obviously the OC runs off the ball, but there wasn't any. That's why <laughs> he was absolutely atrocious. And there's all basically saying, yeah, get the ball to him. He didn't show. He, he he came on the pitch, did his little jump thing, and he hid. He hid for he hid for eight minutes. He had the ball twice. He had the ball twice. <laughs> but I don't know what he, what he does now. It's I remember when, when Mostel used to kick the um he kicked the the goalpost twice, then did a little skip before he took goal kicks. For, that's that's oh. to clear this the mud out. He studs. That's what that's to do. I, I know what the, I know what the kicking's for. But the little he, he used to do a, a little um a two step jump. If you go back and watch some season reviews, he still didn't kick it very far either, did he? No. <laughs> we're not belittling Mike Stevel. Just let's be having you. Um, but yeah, he, Wait, he came. He came was, on, that a tri- he, was that a tribute to Delia Smith? Then let's be having you. Possibly. A cheeky, um, but yeah, he he had two. He had two trips to the ball. The one he laid, he just laid off, and then he had another one where you think, okay, he's going to get his head down. He's going to go on one of his little runs, and he kind of went to do it, and then thought again. He had a couple of runs down the wing. And that was it. But he was he wasn't showing for the ball at all. He didn't want to know. And I think put, putting him it was almost a case of Bruno gonna save him face for me. Thinking about it later, I thought, what is he why is he doing that? I mean, this never works. Troy at wing back never works. And after Samado went off, we got exposed in that right hand side quite a lot. Mm. And that's why Hoover ended up coming on at the end. But it was I think it was more of a case of, well, I've bought him on. He's yet again not done a single thing, and now I can't be seen to take him off straight away. But what what do I do with him? And so, if it wasn't if it wasn't for Trincao being such, well, whatever he is, and then the fans baying for Traore, it almost it was almost a case of just because we want Trincao off, we've got no choice now but to sing about Traore. And then he came on and did absolutely fuck all, and then he was but, booted to I mean, right back. Almost as a punishment to the detrimental of the team, and then you end up with Dendonka, who, who again, but again, none of this, none of this stuff is is Bruno. It's on Bruno. Is he look, look at what he's playing with now? So well, the tools, the tools that he's got. Is so pathetic. do we think? Do we think the trial rate and the management of the trial rate situation at the moment, Matt, is becoming a political thing? I, I think at this point in time now, it, it's a case that. Um, well, Bruno's Bruno's already come out. He he's great for 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 the newspapers and the media because he's. I wouldn't say he's you know he's already ousted Foson or anything like that, but he's already come out and said what I've got isn't enough, and he's proven that by not playing Traore as much as he as much and as literally not anyway. naming it the maximum number of subs he can. <laughs> yeah, he's he's, he's making a statement really by saying. Look at the absolute shambles I've got to work with here. Like, it's a miracle we're in the position we are in the league as it is, to be honest. Um, and I think at this point in time, I'm not saying it's at the it's at the 
expense of the results because I don't think if Troy Ray started that game, the result would have been any different, personally. Um, but I think it is a statement of saying he's not going to work for me. I'm not going to do anything that I don't want to do for the sake of it. I need more to work with you. You want you want the ambition that I'm going to bring you and you want the success that I'm going to bring you, but I, I can't do it on a threadbare squad. Uh, I mean, I, I just think, and bottom line, when you cut through the kind of the bullshit, if I'm a defender and I see a team sheet and I see Francisco Trincao in the starting lineup ahead of Adama Traore, I'm rubbing my hands together a little bit. Do you know what I mean? It's just what, mm. and, and ultimately we'd have all picked Daniel Pedence ahead of the both of them. And that's, that's quite a simple fact, but it wasn't available to us. And, and clearly there's a, I mean, it, you'd, you'd argue the forward positions are where we're most well kind of stocked mm. in, in, in the sense that we have actually got some depth there, but the other forwards that I did want to touch on in terms of his performance was, uh, was Wang, Wang Yichan, who obviously Started like a house on fire when he first came in. You know, without question, it seems we're looking to complete a permanent deal for him as soon as we possibly can. He is still the top scorer at the club for the season. But, I mean, personally speaking, I don't don't feel like he's been too prominent um, with his performances over the last few games. And yesterday in particular, I thought it was pretty horrible, really. Mm. And, yeah, he seems to play, you know, 90 minutes each week and is one of the first names on this team sheet, Stu. What, what did you make of Wang yesterday? I think he gets in there because of his work rate and his pressing more than anything else. Yeah. I mean, yesterday, it's, I think it's it's been a bit harsh on Trincao, but because he was at least trying to do things, even though he kept fucking it up, because the three of them up front were completely starved of anything whatsoever. So he was at least he was trying it, and it, yeah, it was going wrong. But Raul was, he was getting, he was coming deeper and deeper, and then he was getting involved in little niggly scraps with people because he was so frustrated. Huang, I mean, he, he, you can see there was, he was trying to link up with Aunuri at times, but then when one of them would link on and then the other would try and spin away, there was no room. And then if they did get room, there was no one in the middle. So they constantly had to keep coming backwards. So it was more of a case of that the three of them really suffered for the system more than anything else. But it, you can only do what you can do. He didn't have much to work with, but that, again, he didn't exactly put himself around in a meaningful sense. Pressing-wise, and his, his work rate, like I just said, can't fault that whatsoever. But he didn't show... He, he was never a threat, and neither was Raul, though. But again, that's not really down to them. And I think it's, it's a problem of when teams have pressed against us like we've seen... We've got no answer through the middle, and when the, we've got no answer through the middle, and then your wing backs are Samedo, who's who's obviously got a confidence issue and, and will only do it in bursts, and eight Nuri who's raw as fuck, then you're in trouble. Matt, do you think we've kind of gone in a little bit early on Wang? Uh, I don't think we've gone in early on him. I just think that I think he. And I, and I still put it down to this mentality away from home. And I just think he was just another part of the machine that just wasn't firing on that day. You know, there have been a few times, however, when he's given the ball that has led to an opposition, he's given the ball away, which has led to an opposition chance. I don't think that that helps his cause on, on occasion. Um, but he's there as, a, you know, he's there as a physical presence as much 
off the ball as he is on the ball. And, you know, it's about, you know, we know, or at least in Bruno's managerial career up to date, as, as as limited as that may be, you know, he wants to play press, he wants to be physical, he wants to go at the opposition. And, and he's a big part of that, hence the reason why he's had so much game time. Um, but like it was with, with Raul when we lost him, for, we can't rely on Huang to be our South Korean saviour the whole season anyway. He's going to have bad games because we're not a top, top, top team. You know what I mean? We, we're it's just as simple as that. We as Wolves fans are a little spoilt because of our position in the table at the minute where I think we're expecting result game after game where in reality we are going to be inconsistent because we're a mid-table team at best with the squad that we have. We're not. We're top six, mate. We're top six. Um, I know one thing, and that's nobody can convince me that we're better off without Diogo Jota, but that's another conversation. <laughs> um any notable performances for you guys? I thought, again, I mean, obviously with a clean sheet, we, 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 it's worth commending the defence on the way that they played. I thought Aitanuri was pretty game or 90 minutes, but without necessarily producing the quality in the final third that you'd like to see from him. Um, but Stu, I, I mean, any notable mentions from yourself other than Jose Sarr, I suppose? I mean, I'll, I'll give it now. Cody had his best game for about 12 months. He was, yeah. he, was right he was immense. He was, yeah. He was immense. He was everywhere. He's not just, not just his um, winning the ball back. Everything about him, his positioning. I mean, he, he did go on a, an amazing run upfield, and he ended up in the centre circle at one point. But other than that, he was absolutely immense. And in conditions like that, when you need a leader and you need someone at the back who's reliable and dependable, he stepped up massively. And, that, and I, I think at the not, same time. It was in a game where Timo Pukki looked like he played pretty well from, from what I saw as well. And, you know, yeah, he's, a, he he's, he's a pretty dangerous customer, to be fair. Yeah, and even when he in the one where he got a block in when, when Pukki took a little bit too long, he recovered well. So, what more can you ask for? I mean, we, we've, me as well, we've all been quick to slag Cody off and, and Sace as well. We None of us thought that, I mean, that's why I said we finished 16th because of the defence, but on the whole, they've been really impressive. And uh, yesterday, Cody was superb from start to finish. Yeah, and it's worth, again, pointing out that he did play well because he's he's, he's readily available for stick when he doesn't. Mm. But, um, yeah. yeah, so fair play, Stu. Uh, Matt, any, anybody worth well, commending? Well, in, in terms of the defence, again, you know, says for me, I, I, I love watching him play, not because of, like, technical wizardry or anything like that, but I just like, uh, you know, he is, um, without saying he's a dirty player, He's he has gamesmen shipped down to a tee. And I enjoy watching that. And this this phrase doesn't work for what I'm about to say. So apologies now. But you know when they say behind every good man is a is a good woman? He is the good woman for Aitner. Nuri. <laughs> is in, Aitner Nuri doesn't get to do, get away with half the shit he gets away with if it wasn't for having the security of having Sace with him. Um, there was a time there. when people wouldn't have said that. Hundred percent, and I've heard it on this podcast that you know people would prefer if we're going to have a really attacking left wing back that you know you, you've got a, a more solid in in their to in their words option at left centre back. But so it's got to show how Sace has done this season. Yeah, yeah, I think I think so. And isn't you know it, again it's it, it's quite it's quite typical in a way, but it's it, it's unpredictable at the same time that actually are. Our issues so far in a few of the games has been our attacking prowess, and our defence has been pretty much 
next to nearly rock solid. We barely give anything away. And I don't think anybody would have thought that at the start of the season, looking at, you know, what with the AFCON coming up and everything else. I mean, Bolly must be throwing it just so he doesn't go away, isn't he? At the minute, mate, it's just, what's going on there? That's that's another question. I mean, to be fair, there's a, there's an interesting question in Twitter corner regarding regarding Bolly's position at the club. But um, so we'll we'll touch on that later. But um, we'll we'll wrap up Norwich there. I think it, it's not something we want to dwell on too much. And at this point, we'll take a break. But after that, we will discuss the next fixture at home against Burnley and uh, an interesting December in prospect. <laughs> Hi, it's Richard from Wolves Fancast here. Just interrupting today's show before we get back to some question and opinions and opinionated questions to talk to you a little bit about our sponsors, Pixel Yeti Media. They are a design agency that put you and your business first from web design, logo and branding design and marketing. If you have any marketing needs, get in touch with them to find out how they can help you get it right. They are over at pixelyetimedia.com. Now let's get back to a show where we can give you some really forced wordplay, niche cultural references and maybe even a bit of football talk welcome back guys and uh, we're going to be previewing the midweek fixture against burnley uh wednesday night back at molyneux home sweet home where we've uh, decided to play our best football so far this season and as evidenced by Stu's attire today it's officially the christmas running it's going to be december the first and I, I mean i don't know about you guys i, I love this because you can't kind of wipe your ass for seeing a football match, you know, in December. It's brilliant and it's really quite, you know, an enjoyable time to to be a football fan. Not probably less so as Bruno's pointed out with the the kind of lack of uh, pre- preparation time for each fixture. It seems after Wednesday we've got um, Liverpool at the weekend, a week between that and and, and Man City, then another midweek fixture down at Brighton. As we enter this period, very busy period, with such a small squad, um, how are you feeling as 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 it goes? I mean, I'm I'm just excited to see us playing so many games, but is there a bit of um, a fear factor there for you, given the teams we're playing and the size of the squad, Matt? I wouldn't say there's a fear factor there. I just think we knew this coming in. Bruno said it himself. He's come out and said we just need to get as many points as we can up to kind of January because. You know, it's going to be a really difficult long it, season. He, he dropped the games of Game of Thrones line. He did say winter is coming. Didn't he? Exactly. <laughs> I mean, this, this, you know, spoiler alert. This we we've knew about this this kind of stuff already. Um, it's a difficult running, yeah. But you know, we're the kind of team, especially at the minute, we'll result against West Ham as we know that. You know, we'll we'll sneak a result out of one of those teams. Um, it's a shame that you know it's um. I mean, Man City have shown that they have their have their off game anyway. Every now and then, they're not as domineering a force as they have been. Um, it's the it's the games like Burnley that worry me more than anything because they're the games that you can quite easily drop the ball in, especially in a winter scenario where some of our more exotic players, put it that way, um, might not be as up for the fight potentially. Who are you possibly suggesting there? Hey, um, hey. I'm just purely speculating. <laughs> oh, we're not to say we're front. Oh, jeez. <laughs> that was um, as if lockdown couldn't be any worse than it was. 
if we if we come out of if we get to Christmas Day and we've got another five points, I'll be absolutely amazed. Just because of the the state that we're in, squad wise, we're already we're already missing Neves on Wednesday, so that's that means Dendonka has to play unless he gets goes brave with Kundal, which I can't really see. So I think once that kind of thing starts happening, we're already screwed. We never has. We're already screwed because Pedence probably won't be cleared. But then, and even if he is, he wouldn't have had any training time. Burnley have now had a, day, a weekend off ahead of the, the game against us. So, I mean, that, that that was superb. Sean Dyche just in a shirt and tie in the snow. Mm. As Sean Dyche as you can possibly get. Uh, I mean, I know we'll come on to it in a bit, but I just put plus play Chim Campbell. Just give him a go. Why not? Go, full, go all out. It's a, it's a game like this where against someone like Burnley, where are they third bottom, something like that? Where if you're not gonna, if he's gonna play, he's gonna play some of the under twenty threes and play him in this game. Just give him a give him a go. We've already you already said about home sweet home. We are good at home, amazingly, and probably the first time for a really long time, especially in the Premier League. I would I would go with someone like Jim Campbell just to give him a chance because Trinkout and the Triore nonsense is not going to get any better. Why not? It's 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 prime for experimentation where we can do it sensibly and still not. We've always got someone we've got someone on the bench to where uh, to fall back on, even if that is Trinkau. But um, as we know, Bernie's last visit to Molyneux um, was a four 0 victory. I, I, it kind of really kind of signalled the the demise of the Nuno era, didn't it? I don't know about you guys, but um, I think it was one of those games that actually decided to rather just go and play football and then come home and figure out what had happened rather than actually sit and watch a game. Um, but yeah, it, a team that we've never really enjoyed playing against. Um, obviously, we, we have a new man at the helm with, with Bruno. I think like the, the Palace fixture a couple of weeks ago, when we came up against a bunch of big bastards who were going to, you know, basically throttle us all game, is it a time to then bring in a little bit of extra physicality into the side and, and introduce a bit more? Now, the, the Dendonka for Neves situation is clearly something that we're going to have to just mm. deal with, perhaps a benefit. But is someone like Willie Body perhaps an interesting addition to the team? You know, Troy giving that a little extra bit of muscle up, up front as well. He's bowling up. He's bowling up broken again, though. That is yeah, true. He was injured. He was injured the weekend yeah. as well. Shit, <sighs> we're screwed, really, aren't we? <laughs> I mean, like, when you add all that stuff going on, then you you throw in the extra layer of potential positive COVID tests. Yeah, it really is the worst time to have such a thin squad. Get Sanderson back. Well, that that's been spoken about, hasn't it? That's like a doing the rumor mill. That's a potential a potential option <laughs> on the table. But I mean, this game because of the the running that we've got, Liverpool, Man City, Brighton away in between, and not I mean Brighton at home might be a slightly different prospect, but Brighton away the way we've been playing doesn't feel like a a game where we're likely to win. Then Chelsea, three points on Wednesday could be quite important to making sure. You know, we, we keep ourselves within the top half of the league, potentially. Well, yeah, I mean, that you're looking at those fixtures. You're looking at Brighton. I know it's away. But according to the Brighton fans, I mean, they were booing at, at full time <laughs> yesterday. 
says something isn't right at that club um, at the moment. So you're looking at Burnley, you're looking at Brighton, aren't you really? It's the two games where you've, you've got to be expecting at least a draw, if not a win. Um, anything else past that is a bit of is, is a bit of a bonus. I hate that term free hit, but it's it's a uh, what can really go that wrong bar injuries, I guess. I think for Burnley, presumably now, Stu, I'm going to come to you here because you're the you know you know the rules of the game inside and out with your <laughs> savant knowledge of of everything football. Will Tarkowski and Westwood still be banned? Yeah, because the they game was played today. They were suspended, exactly. So they are they suspended now for this fixture? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, that's because... been confirmed, yeah. Oh, oh, well, there you go. Yeah, Johnny okay. Phillips tweeted it um, saying oh, okay. that. So, yeah. We yeah, it's, need to it's go just... to his VAR god. <laughs> yeah, because it, it, it doesn't matter about... It's just fixtures played. Mm. And because it was postponed, it just rolls over. That's just one yeah. of them things. So there's a small, a small, uh, a small favour from the weather gods, I suppose. Yeah, and, and Tarkovsky, to be fair, I think is a big miss. Westwood, I, I don't know, I don't know how integral Ashley Westwood is to, to the way that they play. But um, I mean, Maxwell Corner is probably the one that we'd love mm. to to be absent if we had to pick a player um, or Chris Wood. Maybe. Chris, Chris Wood. <laughs> anyway, but um, if we were to to pin you down to some kind of result, guys. Where we looking still? I'm still weirdly confident. I don't know why. After everything we said for the last fifty minutes, because we're back at home. Yeah. Um, back in those gold shirts. Back in those gold seats. American guests. Or a black seat. If you're sitting, a, you might sit in a black seat. Who knows? How many black seats do we have, do we have? Do you think? There's quite a few in the North Bank, really, isn't there? Yeah, the, the flanks of the North Bank. Mm. Could be. A, I should have put this as a Twitter corner question when I wasn't on. <laughs> I suppose if you actually if in the other three stands, if you actually sit in a black seat, you're almost like the anointed one, aren't you? Because it, it's quite a significant yeah. percentage that are, are gold. Yeah, it's only there's only the logo and walls. You might you might the... be considered one of the black sheet within the stand or something. You know, if you if you're really special, if you're in a white seat, that's true. In the eye of the north. Yeah. Bank. The well, the, oh, there's some in the South Bank as well. Yeah, they changed them all. They changed the eyes in the South Bank and the um, Steve Bull and Billy Wright. I tell you what, they they white seats, reach out, drop us a tweet. That'd yeah, be really we, good with, to know. With evidence as well. Yes, yeah, we, want, we want to see a selfie in your white seat. <laughs> the important stuff. So, uh, 2 no win. <laughs> 2 no win. Okay. Mm, I think it'll be Tetchy. I don't think it'll be a game full of goals. I think, I think, though, I think we'll probably scrape a one-nil, or potentially a score draw, in the worst-case scenario. But I, I don't think it's going to be a game full of uh, pleasure on the eyes. Put it that way. <laughs> Depends what you see. Beauty is in the eye of the beholder. That's true. I'm sure, I'm some, I'm sure someone enjoyed that nil-nil draw against Norwich. Some purist. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I guess that, that kind of leaves us with Twitter Corner to kind of address, guys. Matt, do you mind if I just hand over to yourself? I know you're in charge of all the buttons and we, we've got some nice these hands for you. These hands yeah. are ready. These these podgy sausage fingers are primed and ready to get us some Twitter Corner questions. So, uh, Amar's Music Show um, <laughs> wants to know, is Trinkau largest secret son? Um, said that with more sizzle than it meant to be. <laughs> um, <laughs> basically... 
is, is you know is is this one of those um you know he's got a Mick McCarthy he's, and Stephen Ward. Mm, yeah, yeah, one of those. It's ones. F- it's funny because I I was going to text the missus the other day some romantic statement because she was she was a bit unhappy, not with me. Um, don't know why fancastians need to know that, but um, I wanted to text her something romantic, but also walls related. So I was going I was going to put, I love you more than Mick McCarthy loves, and I thought well she's not going to know anyway. I could have put anybody, and I was going to put. And I thought Steve, I should Dave Edwards, Stephen Ward. Who should I put? Who would be? It would be that if you would put if you were making that. It'd have to be Ward. That was mm. it. Was definitely Stephen Ward. David was never actually played that much. I think in the McCarthy era, I think he was mm. more of a he was more of a Paul Lambert or a well, yeah, Paul Lambert man. <laughs> mm, exactly, exactly. Well, I don't think I don't think he's um, he's largely son so much, but he's. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. Will he continue to play him when he's when he's putting in stinkers? I guess that'll answer the question, won't it? Um, Davy Hot wants to know what's a more effective form of torture: waterboarding or yesterday's game? Stu? Well, we had both because he was pissing down all day. <laughs> um, waterboarding combined with that game. Oh my god! Yeah. Well, at least waterboarding. You've got the you've got the kind of faint hope that you'll drown. That just never ended yesterday. So <laughs> that game. Like, I, I can't confess to have been waterboarded, so I can't. I can't confess to knowing what it feels like. But you know, like, you know I mean, I, I reckon there are worse torture methods, though. Have Probably. you been water sported? Like I was watching, uh, ah. I was watching Red, Red Notice on um, on Netflix yesterday, oh, and um, he gets electrocuted, doesn't he? Yeah, on his balls. You know, um, just a, a quick note on if you enjoyed Red Notice, go uh, over to our episode on cage fighting about that that very film. We enjoyed it Thanks very much. Did you enjoy it? I, I'm not going to get into it. I, I didn't find it. Yeah, I loved it. I thought it was it was it was silly nonsense. It, 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 yeah, you're right. It was okay. The exact film you thought it would be. Yeah, that, that's fair. That is fair. I don't know why I expected something sophisticated. But okay. You know, you know what? It's talking about torture, I don't think we'd get onto this today. Um, you know, like they always say, oh, we play heavy metal or we'll play like the same uh, music over and over. It's always like cheesy pop music. Stu, you'd be in your absolute element if you were oh. in like Guantanamo Bay in one of these scenarios, constantly playing like cheese music. You just oh. you'd, you'd, you'd give me more. Don't let me go. Bit of Ozone. Dear me. Dear me. Right. Moving on. Stu Jones 10 wants to know what is your favorite Domino's Pizza Hut or Papa John's? What a question. Uh, Gully, listen, you're an athlete. You don't, you don't have. <laughs> wow, this, this wow! Gimmick. Can we record that? But if you were going to have a cheat meal, which of the three, you know, titans of pizza are you having? I, I honestly, Papa John's. I don't think I've ever had off the top really? of my head. Off the top of my head, um, Pizza Hut was like the buffet when you was a kid, mm-hmm. and you basically you had pennies strewn together, and that was it. So Domino's has always been the go-to um, since I was basically earning a wage. So it really, is, is, it's got to be Domino's, hasn't it? Stu? Same. I've never had Papa John's either. Um, oh, there's one right around the corner from us. Where? By In the, um, Yeah. But is, this the the point, is this the point that you say that it's much better? Or? Well, yeah, the pizza's better, but then the, you know, like the garlic sauce that comes with a Domino's? Their version is literally the wor- the dirt worst, enough to make you like not want the pizza. It's terrible. You know what? Pizza Supreme is better it. than all three. 
to be fair, I'm sure there is an independent out there that I probably would actually choose. That's probably right. That's probably right. Um, moving swiftly on, uh, B Townley, aimless balls. <laughs> Uh, together, I'd like to see them play uh, together. But who's better? The best version of Willy Bolly we've seen at Wolves or Max Kilman right now? That is an absolute stonker of a question. That is good. Aimless balls from aimless balls. <laughs> Try answering that one. I, 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 at the peak of his powers, and I think you're probably talking maybe the first season we came back up. Bolly, I thought, was one of the best defenders in the league, hands mm. down. Um, Kilman is very good right now, and I think is on the verge of international honours. I don't quite think he's he's. And when I say I think Bolly was top five within the league, like mm. I think you could have played him in any scene. Kilman isn't quite there yet, but he's getting there. I think yeah. his form. I, I tell you what, if I see him in a one-on-one situation right now, I fancy Kilman over any striker that he's up against. You, you know, based on what I've seen from him, he just looks so at home, so comfortable, and just so assured of himself. Um, mm. But I th- I, he's not quite at that level that Bolly was at. He was, yeah. I I agree with you there. To be fair, but Stu, any 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 take on that? I think the fact that Kilman's probably not even played fifty games of football professionally yet, mm. and we're even t- having this conversation says everything. But yeah, Gully's right. I mean, that that first season in the Premier League. Bolly was immense. So, yeah, just for for that point alone, I think give it a couple of years, Kilman will surpass that. No doubt about it. King Kilman Club for life. But uh, for the questions point, that's KKC. Just to clarify, that's KKC. Mm. (laughs) For those for those for those people who want to put us liable. Um, But no, Stu, I think I think I think you're right, mate. And uh, last but not least, by. the jumper wearer himself, Richard Hobbs. After I emptied the washing machine filter for the time since owning it, about two years, after not knowing it was... What, I don't, is this grammatically... I can't even read this. After for the I first my time since owning filter, it, For the time, first time since owning it, after not knowing it was something that needed to be done regularly, what do you wish you'd found out earlier in life? Stu, basically not to get caught, um, so the charges <laughs> were dropped. What would be your... Uh, what do you wish you knew earlier in life? That if you took supplements that your hair wouldn't fall out. Um, okay. That if, I, if I'd have known that when I was like mid-twenties, that you can take these. And they're not magic beans before you start on all that stuff again. Nah. Um, <laughs> the, you can get these. I can't remember the exact name of them, but they they do exist. They're like supplements that keeps your hair kind of healthy and stuff, and it stops it receding, whatever. Then I could have kept my glorious locks for years on end hmm. without them having I mean, to resort to the razor. But yeah, probably either that or not not r- missing lectures to watch Lost. That's probably uh, that was probably a mistake in the end. <laughs> <laughs> I think. I mean, it's a fairly recent thing anyway. But I wish I'd got an air fryer sooner than I got, than I got an air oh, fryer. Interesting. I like it. They are. They are just revolutionised the way we eat at home, and cut half, cut my like cooking time in half. It's brilliant, and I feel like I'm sitting here as like a, a ninja sales rep or something. Like everyone should have an air fryer. It's like everyone's got a microwave or a kettle. Mm. Everyone should have an air fryer. It's just it should it's be just standard, that. standard white good. 
yeah. uh, kind of home uh, like, item. I get it. To almost to the extent where, well, no, now you do need an oven, don't you? If you want like a rug, yeah. Mm, no, so, yeah I'm gonna. Be... I've got an air fryer, but I, like I've cooked chicken in it before. But it's just the fear of cooking something like that is. But in what state was the chicken? Dead? Like diced breast or something like that. What were you? Diced or... breast? Yeah, it was. It was. It was diced. Okay, um, so it's not like you can just slap a I haven't, whole I haven't chunk chucked of chicken. a whole chicken breast in, like, a, <laughs> or, or a, you know, a rotisserie-sized chicken in there. I just, it's just, you know, we're so we're so um, institutionalized on our typical ways of cooking that I was a bit worried that it's not going to cook through. I'm going to be shitting through the Ivan needle for a week if I like eat this air fried chicken. But I mean, I'm not dead yet, so there's a challenge: shit through the Ivan needle. Exactly. I think for me that what I wish I'd known is 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 just how to cook, just how to cook in general. Um, it's something I enjoyed like later into my life. Now I'm in my thirties, but I wish I knew it when I was in uni, when I was just a baking tray cook. Everything but, went on the highest heat for twenty five minutes, and that was it. That's all I'd ever eat. Yeah, I wish I'd knew that yeah. earlier in my life. But hey ho. But um, thank you everybody for um, getting in touch with us on Twitter Corner. Um, <laughs> As this section proves, if you put it in, we will read it out. Um, <laughs> so thank you very much. And uh, we look forward to answering your questions on the next one. Yeah. Some good questions in there. Some good questions, I have to say. Um, gents, was there anything else before we leave? Or should we leave the good people of Wolverhampton and beyond to, uh, I guess, get on with their lives without... Uh, I think they've I think they've suffered enough musings, for Norwich, haven't yeah. they, really? Yeah, they have. They have. Um Obviously, we'll be we'll be back with another episode uh, straight after the Burnley game. We've got previews, um, we've got other YouTube content available to you. Uh, make sure you follow us on all the social channels. We are a part of the Ninety Minute Football Network, and uh, from us, it's it's a goodbye. And uh, speak to you soon after hopefully three points at Burnley. <laughs> Who would be a Wolves fan, eh? Go full. People might yet win it here for Wolves.